1: we're trekking across the universe, John Luke, Picard, Data Wharf, and Troy, Dr. Crusher, Geordi LaForge, Star Trek The Next Generation, we're trying to see who gets there first. John Luke, Picard, Data Wharf, and Troy, Dr. Crasher, Jordan LaForge, Riker. Right there. there they go in a big tin can. Give me Warp 5 fast as you can. Star Trek, the next generation, and CC 1701.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nevermind Podcast, a podcast open to everyone, especially Mr. Terry Matala. Uh, my name is Captain Luke. I am your host of the Nevermind Podcast, and with me, as always, is my number one, Mr. Randy Kabla.
1: That's great. Hey, guys, I'm Mr. Andy, and that's Captain Luke, as you said. And uh, we're doing the Never Open podcast. This is a Never Realm episode where we talk about whatever we want, and that's what we're going to do.
2: We're definitely going to do that. We're going to talk a lot about Star Trek because uh, we mention it often on the podcast, and now we get to just talk about it without feeling guilty that we've spent too much time talking about it when we should be talking about random tag match that... Wasn't that interesting? So we started talking about wharf again.
1: Never once felt guilty about that, but I I understand where you're coming (laughs) from.
2: Yes, indeed. But before we get to all that, no professionalism today. You all, you all know how to contact us (laughs) and all that stuff. But buy our stuff anyway. uh, Teespring. We have some uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling news. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, I guess the, you know, this is a spoiler for Ring of Honor, but it's on the fucking New Japan website. So Robbie Eagles uh, got the challenge for the Ring of Honor heavyweight title, whatever the fuck it's called, their main title. And uh, you can all assume what happened in that match, but I'm sure it was awesome versus Claudio Castagnoli. And then Luke, they announced the resurgence card, the full card. All right. What's on it? What are we doing? What are we doing? We can't wait. Right. It's the Walt, Walter Pyramid with the beach and the guys.
2: You're asking me what was on it? You were telling me that
1: the card had been announced. So now I'm doing well, the clickies like a professional. Well, yes. there's a strong women's championship tournament, of course. And so that is a four-woman tournament. Not really not really a tournament, but, you know, here we are. It is uh, Mercedes Monet. Um, or Stephanie Vaquer, Vaquer, Vaquer. It's going to be those two, one of those, versus Momo Kogo or Willow Nightingale. So that's your your four women that are going to be having, you know, at least one match each, maybe two. We'll see. That's one. So of we're the getting,
2: matches. so we're getting Mercedes Monet versus Momo Kogo. Probably because yeah. I like Willow Nightingale, but every time I've mm-hmm. seen her wrestle, she uh, she's jobbing. So yeah, uh, she's a
1: no, she never does. It's a really weird match, too. And this this is not the main event. The the uh, strong women's championship match will be the main event, <clears throat> probably because the IWGP champion is not on this card, I don't think. But anyway, here we are. Uh, the, you know, semi main is an interesting match that I don't think I don't think we've ever talked about this on the show because I think it's flying below the radar. So apparently Lance Archer is returning to New Japan at Dominion and he has a match. And the match will be versus the winner of Tanahashi versus Osprey?
2: And I can see it on my screen now. It is yeah. an IWGP United States Championship number one yeah. contenders tournament. I wonder how many. Uh, oh. There's, there's, there's... All right. So.
1: Mini tournament, it says. What's the, the Championship. It got way underway last month in Philadelphia, you know, when it happened, you know? I don't no remember, I don't remember any of this so uh anyway but uh that sure was a thing or is a thing that's going to happen Luke do you see what the next match is well
2: did, did we We didn't even say what that match was did we uh yeah, it was Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Will Ospreay
1: I literally said it right before it we, did? we started talking yeah
2: oh <laughs> yeah, well that that that's uh never run for you but uh the, the the next match we got on here what is it uh Rocky Romero Tomohiro Ishii and Okada versus willie wheelie John Moxley and Shooter Umino, and uh, okay, so you can't have the Tana Hashi in that match for the six mans, because for some reason, he has to wrestle Will Ospreay where he could actually wrestle anybody else with Will Ospreay, but, and then have the six-man title match on this, I, all right, I'm looking forward to this match, it's going to be really, <laughs> really good, and really awesome, and I'm not going to complain, because it's going to be a good time, but why isn't this a yeah. six-man never title match?
1: Yeah, it just isn't. And it because of convolution, that's why. It's a special six-man tag match, it says, so that's a thing. Then Luke, we have the rematch. Kenta hopefully gets a haircut versus Hikaleo for the strong open weight title match. You know, I mean it's gonna be the same fucking match. So here we are. Um and then uh it, oh what's is, after that?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's gonna be the same exact match. So they'll they'll mix yeah. it up a little bit, but probably not that much. I mean, why would you? You know, so what's the next match, Luke? Another another one we're really looking forward to. Can't wait.
2: <laughs> we have Fred Rosser versus Juice Robinson in a no-time-limit street fight. Juice Robinson's weird for me right now. All right, so he's in Bullet Club, yeah? But he's also, like, on AEW, team, teamed up with Jay White, calling themselves the Bang Bang Gang, still doing, like triggers and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, "Wait, but Jay is out of bull. Isn't he out of bull club? Like what why is Juice hanging out with him? What's going on? And uh, is Finley okay with Juice hanging out with Jay White? Cuz Juice <laughs> Finley's the leader now, right? Does it does does Juice know that David Finley doesn't watch AEW or something? <laughs> or what's going on here? My I'm sorry, my brain hurts a little bit. <clears throat> Should be a, should be a fine match. Uh, I'm probably going to enjoy it more than Hikaleo versus Kenta because uh, I've don't think I've seen Fred Rosser versus Juice before. If I have, it's
1: well, we saw such them. a while ago. Yeah. that it's, uh, that it's Fred no, we saw it. It just never happened because you know you oh, right. beat him up. Remember It which I was like, thank God. And <laughs> now we get to watch it. Yay! So I think I've completely that's...
2: forgotten that entire show, dude.
1: <laughs> no, why would you remember anything about it? I wouldn't. I don't. I just happen to remember that. But anyway, next Luke, we have uh, the third match on the card. Will be Barbaro Cavernario, which is bearded caveman or, or bearded guy who lives in cave. Is kind of like the. That's kind of. <laughs> and it's uh, it's Virus uh, is his pat- target partner. And these are CMLL guys, and it's they're gonna uh, fight Zack Saber Jr. and the triumphant return of Bad.
2: Dude, Tito, big teats. Oh, my God. Uh, actually, I think I'm going to enjoy this match more than Fred Ross Juice, Robinson, Hickel and Kenta. Because it's, uh, yay, Bad Dude Tito is back with uh, Zack Sabre Jr., so I'm glad. So, we see, is Tito just doing American shows now, and that's it? Like, because oh, yeah. you know what we're like, Mr. Guy. We want to see them in Japan. But, no, that match is going to be great. I remember seeing... They'll the win. caveman in fantastic mania oh yeah
1: remember that <clears throat> um, um yeah but the tmtk will win back to tito he'll get to sit on the apron don't you think
0: oh
1: yeah at the end of the
0: match of course yeah.
2: okay that's what they do all right so the first two matches we've already talked about because they'll be the two uh, women's tournament matches so there's, what, two kickoff matches. Hey, one starts at 420.
1: <laughs> why do you? Why are they calling that kickoff match? Don't call it that. These are pre-show matches. If you're calling it a kickoff, that's just ripping off WWE. Because they don't call it pre-show. They call it the kickoff. You know? Fuck off. Who wrote this? I'm mad. <laughs> Dude. What's that? That's, what's one of these matches? Tell me what the matches are.
2: All right. It's... One of them is the DKC versus Bateman.
1: Mm-hmm. I've seen Bateman wrestle before in person. He's, you know, he's pretty good. That'll be fine. hi Milano will love it if he's there. And then just out of order for no reason. We'll also have uh, the fallen angel himself, Christopher Daniels versus Alex Coughlin. What a cool match. That, that's a cool match. I like that. So,
2: yeah, uh, I can't wait to actually see that match. That's been great. Yeah. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. Uh, I've I've never watched a kickoff without having already been, like, a purchaser of the show I'm about to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe people do that. Maybe they, they – oh, it's free on YouTube. Let's watch some of this. And then after getting pounded over the head with it 30 times, they go, oh, yeah, I'll buy it.
0: Does it work?
2: I don't know, man. It must work because now they all do it. We got the AEW kickoff, we got the WWE one, yeah. we got New Japan doing it. Must work
1: somehow. <laughs> I, but just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it works. Luke, we have this phenomenon. I'm assuming you have it too, maybe in America, where you get ten phone calls every single day, none of them you asked for, and they're from someone trying to like tell you that your insurance is up or trying to sell you a, an extended warranty on your car. None of them are in America. And it's like the scam that I don't know if it's ever worked on anyone. And yet every person gets 10 calls a day or so. (laughs)
2: Suspected spam. Suspected.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, it's kind of like that. I think we
2: did. We did miss a match by the way, that will be at resurgence. In fact, this match happens in every American show. And it's a match that uh
1: Oh no I don't I like. I know who it is. <laughs>
2: and it's the New Japan Pro Wrestling Sound and Engineering Crew <laughs>
1: versus
2: themselves. Versus themselves. Versus the equipment. Yeah.
1: And
2: uh and uh, I think it's the longest match in uh, New Japan Strong history. Longest
1: feud uh, for sure. Yeah, it's so the yeah. it's the biggest longest feud in Strong history, definitely.
2: <laughs>
1: and I mean, who do you think's coming out on top in that so far?
2: Uh, I, I'm I've got my money on the equipment this time, like every yeah. time.
1: Yeah, they usually win, but I thought last time was fine. You were, you were real whiny about last time, but it was pretty bad at first. It got a little better over time, so yeah
2: me complain well i know
1: about that i like that that's pretty funny yeah so that's the big new japan news they sure are having a show and and luke have you watched i haven't watched any wrestling since uh uh wrestling don taco what have you have you watched any uh
2: don't i watched dynamite i haven't watched rampage yet because i had a busy weekend but i really want to watch that because there's a a final deletion kind of match on it, like a Matt oh, Hardy okay. compound match.
1: Yeah. So, uh, about
2: that. yeah. So, uh, probably after I record with you, Mister Guy, I'm going to uh, put it on because I, I haven't been spoiled on it anything. i in it yet. Because no one really cares about Rampage.
1: No, I haven't heard anything about that. And and I I do want to say, those like total mm. deletion matches and stuff. They those fucking hold up. They are still dude. They so Funny. And just so just silly and weird and <laughs> it's so great, man.
2: Dude, Rampage has felt like it doesn't matter for ages. Dude, mm-hmm. just make it the Matt Hardy show every couple, just every month. He's in a feud with some randos. I don't care. Just mix and match. And at the end of that month on Rampage, it'll blow off in a Matt Hardy compound match. Just, just do something with Rampage. Everyone loves those. I do. So just, just do that.
1: Earlier in the year, one of my buddies, Lord Crew, wrestled Matt Hardy at like uh what was it like <laughs> it's like elevation elevation, um, dark. In the light thingy. Yeah. And uh, and like Ethan Page, who probably is still feuding with Matt Hardy, I'm assuming, because that's the only person he's feuded with. And <laughs> yes, he is in <laughs> yes. AEW. So um, he he was like, hey, and to, like distracted Matt Hardy, and my my buddy Lord Crew like sneak attacked him. But then he he had to take the twist. Well, he got to take the twist of fate. How fucking cool is that, man? Dude, that's had to take amazing. the twist of fate. That's amazing. Yeah, that was that was so neat. I was there. I got to see him live. So that was fun.
2: Dude, that's fucking awesome. All right. So, we've uh, we've covered some New Japan and some AEW. Dude, Forbidden Door, Forbidden Door two is not too far away. Like, yeah, are we gonna start seeing some uh, some crossover happen or what? No,
0: not
1: before.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. We don't want to build it up. All right. It's
1: after Dominion,
2: like... too, so they got to build up Dominion first. All right. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I right. mean,
1: I'd like them to. But I, I hope that some people show up at Dominion. That'd be fun. Just not Chris Jericho, please. But I mean, you know, he's I can't believe he doesn't have his his nose and all this stuff already. It's, it's shocking to me that he hasn't shown up. But uh, we'll see. Who did he wrestle at Dominion mm-hmm. or at uh, the first one? I can't remember. It was was he in a multi person?
2: I think match? it was Kenny Omega. Really? Yeah. Okay. His first. I okay. don't. I don't know. His first New Japan match. No, I mean it, it, when it, he came it, back.
1: No, was, I mean at the at the uh, Forbidden Door. Who did Jericho face?
2: Oh. He had Suzuki on his uh, team for some reason.
1: Yeah, it was some like multi man match, right? I don't remember.
2: Who cares? Yeah, I think Shingo might have been in the match. I can't remember. No, I can't see yeah. it was a it was a good show, but uh, it was like a year ago, so I can't yeah. I've got nothing.
1: It's honestly kind of forgettable. and really that that show is like tragic because I mean, what Adam Cole just came back,
2: isn't that right? Yeah, that's right man,
1: that, that that fucking sucked, man. when we saw like that finish go the way it did with him and the j it was like him and Jay White and maybe somebody else in the match, and it just didn't yeah, it was so good. And then they just it just didn't finish right, and you're like, oh no! And man, then we didn't see Adam Cole for like nine, ten months or something.
2: I know. It sucks. It's freaking terrible. Yeah.
1: Adam, Cole, Adam Cole's very good, so I'm glad that uh, he's back. So.
2: Agreed. And he's uh, he's feuding with uh, Mister Jericho right now.
1: Oh, he is so, okay. Yeah. okay so, I think who can who can wear a leather jacket better? Who can, who has yeah. the most leather jackets? Who looks more like a rock star?
2: Uh, Probably Jericho, I guess, because he has a rock band and stuff. But no,
1: all right, it's out of call. All
2: right, I've been corrected. I stand corrected.
1: How much like voice effects and auto tune? You think they gotta hit his voice with to get that like, you know, Judas in my head or whatever the fuck it is? Sounds (laughs) just like that, right? I guess So, so. Like I, I tell you what, I
2: like. Chris Jericho as, as a wrestler, uh-huh. apart from that Judas song and maybe one or two others, I have, don't know any Fozzy songs at man, all. No
1: one does. No one does. Why would you? It's like play it's, Judas. They play Judas. Play Judas again. Fart rock. It's fart rock, man. It's just like the most generic-ass shit ever. And like... You know
2: what it reminds you... me of? When, <laughs> it, when a cover band decides to make an album of new material, yeah. and it sounds very cover bandy still, yeah. even though it's yeah. new songs
1: that's fair that's fair yeah i'm not a fan of fozzy they can fuck off
2: so yeah i don't i don't give a shit about them send all your complaints uh fozzy fans to uh someone who cares (laughs) at
1: at Mm gmail.com
2: that's right that's right uh,
1: well luke we got options here because i don't know if we said it at first but we also we have a a wrestler diary we have a regular uh you know written email um we have you know, Star Trek: The Next Generation, season eight, to talk about too, and the written emails about Star Trek: The Next Generation, season eight. So I'm not sure where you want to go next.
2: All right, let's do the uh, let's do the emails. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay,
1: okay. Well, Luke, this emails from our friend Jamie Coy, who uh, spent a lot of time on this. It looks like, and uh, there's kind of a theme to his email, So. Would you like to read it, or would you like to, um, you know, put the punctuation on it? Hmm.
2: Uh, hmm. I'll read it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Years ago, one of the greatest actors of our time, star of multiple science fiction franchises, said one simple thing, plain and simple, direct and easy to understand.
0: Give me what I want.
2: Who do you think I meant? Patrick, I got great ideas for season one and two of Picard Stewart. No, Dave Bautista, star of Guardians of the Galaxy, Dune, and Blade Runner 2049. I love that movie. In a build-up to some match I've long since forgotten or cared about, he said to Triple H,
0: You know what it is. Give me what
1: I want. I've been asking for it for years. Give me what I want.
2: It's not that hard. If you want people to sign up for another monthly streaming service, just give people what they want. Show us where the old gang is now and give them some reason to get together for one last adventure. Be shameless about it. Give me what I want. I want to see Data and Geordie together again. Imagine if Andy Dufresne and Red don't have a reunion at the end of the Shawshank Redemption. What's the fucking point? You bring Data back not to have one last scene with his best friend ever? Give me what I want. I want to see Worf be the Deep Space Nine badass just murdering anything in his path. Oh my God. <laughs> Better yet, the motion picture's Klingon theme every time he pops on screen. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, <dun-dun. laughs> mm-hmm. Is that from the motion picture originally? I think that, I think so. Yeah. I love I love the use of all the Trek music from TV and film. Oh my God. It's right there. Just use it. It might be my favourite part of the entire season. Use the music. The use of music was perfect. Give me what I want. Riker, B and Riker, the adventure guy. I'm surprised he didn't try to fuck his way out of this entire situation. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been imagine, amazing. Imagine evil and lady really just needed a serious solid from Will to save the universe. <laughs> Riker running around, creeping about. Some action with his buddies was great. Give it up. Give Crusher and Troy something to do. Turns out that Crusher has been a badass single mum for decades, and Troy finally got to use her powers for something besides. I think those mean-looking aliens who just fired on our ship are angry at us, Captain.
1: (laughs) My favorite is, I sense nothing, Captain. That's my favorite. Give me what I want!
2: (laughs) I sense nothing, Captain. We'll go back to your quarters then. Get the fuck off the bed. Yeah,
1: that's what she says all the time.
2: (laughs) Oh my god. Just completely ignore seasons one and two. They didn't fully and couldn't but it takes all of five seconds to catch everyone up for watching season three, yep. Picard died, but is now an android human man, and that one lady you don't recognize was once hooked on space trucks, but (laughs) is a good guy now, and hooked up with Seven of Nine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Give me what I want.
2: (laughs) It's not to say the makers of Picard season three didn't add new things. We got Jack Crusher, and while he came close to being dragged out to the point of starting to hate him, they wrapped it up and now he's in the mix. Geordi has some kids and rebuilds old ships for a living. Riker and Troy work this stuff out, and we got a new character we actually cared about when they died. Remember all of the cast from Season 1 and 2 that isn't in Season 3? I don't either. <laughs> Blonde, smart, nerd lady? Guy who had a ship? Vulcan with, <laughs> Vulcan with sword? Did they die? I don't know. How, how I didn't miss them. Much like... Whoever are the people behind making strange new worlds, the makers of Picard season three need to be the ones in charge of Trek moving forward. Gather them around a big board room table. Let them do what they want. And I'll be watching for sure. There is nothing wrong with giving people what they want. That's what I want. want. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was good. That was good. That's right, man. He's so right. And, uh, he's also right about Jack Crusher getting strung out a little too long, but, uh, you know, and, I, guess I was
2: we're about are ready to I was about ready to
1: punch him in the face. <laughs> I punch him. Is he have a face? Punch
2: yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. You don't punch him?
1: <laughs> well, Luke, I thought it would be fun to kind of organize this conversation a little bit by talking about yeah. all the characters, because like all the characters get something to do, all the characters come back. It's just like Jamie Coy said. Thank you for the email too, by the way. It was tremendous. We get to see where the gang, what the gang's been up to, and like. We get new characters, but some of these new characters are actually, you know, sons and daughters of the old characters and in like a way that I like. So it's easy. I, I guess we got to tell people, too. We both really like the season a lot. Like and and I hated season one and two of Picard. Hated them. I thought it was like, what is this? But not yeah. only did they like, you know, fix like the movies kind of with this, this season. Yeah. They kind of, like, fixed everything that happened since TNG ended. And so, like, because, you know, it, it explains why Picard was a fucking psycho in all the movies and stuff like that. And it's like, it, it I don't know. It explains the whole thing. It's, it's what they should have done to begin with. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't, but we, we, we do know why.
2: This, was, this, this show, this season was made by nerds who didn't just know Star Trek TNG. They loved it. And they also loved all the other Star Trek, too, because of all the nods from pretty much every single Star Trek franchise, almost, you know. (laughs) So this is like a this is a giant love letter to TNG first, but it's also uh, a giant love letter to, to Star Trek and Star Trek fans. And like I didn't even finish season one and I didn't even watch season two. I even told you, like, on the show how I was going to watch Picard season three. And then I just didn't. Maybe because I got busy or maybe because I was just scared or something. I don't know. But uh, you were right. This this season freaking ruled. It. I loved it.
1: Well, let, let's start by talking about, the, I mean, this is the most important character on the show because she's the only character to wield a Gilhibon knife at one point. And that is Amanda Plummer as Vadic, the captain of the evil ship that's like trying to get him. And and trying to get Jack Crusher. What'd you think of Amanda Plummer? And how cool was that Gilhobin knife?
2: The the knife was very cool. Also, if any of you fucking pricks move, I'm gonna execute every last (laughs) motherfucker one of you. (laughs) Uh, All right. So she plays what might be one a, a kind of cliche Star Trek bad villain, right? But She's fantastic. She freaking crushed it. She owned it. She like I didn't care that there, there was all that kind of you know over the top villainy and stuff. She just pulled it off. And the reason she was angry and all this kind of all, all this kind of stuff, Amanda Plummer was amazing. And her being this like evil Starship Captain of the the Shrike is very. I think she kind of paid tribute to her dad as well, uh, who was uh, General Chang in uh, Star yeah. Trek VI. It was. Yeah, I love to
1: havoc and release the dogs of war. He's like quoting Shakespeare while he's blowing up the Enterprise and shit. Man, I love Undiscovered Country.
0: It's, it's amazing,
1: awesome, such a great movie, man. I love that movie so much. That's one of the the only Star Trek original series movie that I saw in the theaters was that one. So.
2: Oh, um, dude, that's but mine too because I was a little young for the others. Yeah, I'd seen them yeah. because of you know VHS Reynolds. Dad, dad loved Star Trek, so you know he just ran them all the time. But. Yeah. Six was the
1: first one. Amanda Plummer is in a couple things. She's fantastic in this. And like, it's great because you kind of think you're watching it and you're thinking maybe we should have got her backstory before the whole like showdown at the beginning because it's all backwards. But no, it actually works better the way they have it, I think, because you you think she's generic, but then it turns out she's not. When she comes back, we get to learn more about her, and and I really like that. But she's in a couple movies. Amanda Plummer is that I have gotta recommend. One is a movie called uh, it's a, I think it might be a TV movie. I'm not sure, but it's the 1993 Stephen King Needful Things movie. It's fucking awesome. It's got like That's Ed Harris in it, I think, and like uh I think Don. I can't remember the main dude. That's uh, Donald Sutherland maybe is the uh is the the devil um uh, but there's another movie with your with actually oddly enough Kiefer Sutherland in it uh, Jack Bauer and it is a crazy movie called Freeway if you've never seen Freeway you got to check it out it's got um Race with a Spoon? Yes and Legal Blonde Legal Blonde or whatever legally blonde yeah. is her, it's her dude like one of the coolest revenge movies ever it's awesome now I hope it still holds up because I watched it years ago. Man, I fucking blew my mind. It's such a cool movie. So.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I remember that movie. Yeah. That's really cool.
1: And, uh,
2: she reminds like her and one other character in this show felt like one note to start. And then you find out more about them and you're just like, Oh, I love that person. So, uh, would it be okay to talk about, uh, Captain Shaw?
1: Yeah. Captain Shaw. Fucking rules. He's played by Todd Stashwick, and uh, apparently he is kind of like a staple of the, you know, this guy. I can't remember what the showrunner's name is. Terry the showrunner. Him, that guy. Yes, at the beginning you said it. His, like, kind of stable of, of uh, actors, this guy's kind of part of his group. And, um, again, like you said, he starts off as somebody that is against Picard and Riker. But we, when we once we learn why, he's the best character ever. Because <laughs> you know, then we're yeah, on his side. Absolutely. We're like, yeah, you're right. Fuck Picard. Picard was a dick. Picard did, you know, regardless of, the, of, of, for whatever reason he did it, and and it was he was compelled to do it. He was fucking in charge of the other side's army in a massive, like, fucking battle where the whole Starfleet fleet just about got destroyed.
0: So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Wolf a lot of people mad at him. Yeah, it was. It was really well done, and it didn't. It felt it was great because the only other person we've really seen Picard kind of interact with about three five nine that isn't like a next generation cast member would have been like what Cisco in the Cisco, emissary.
1: Yeah, Cisco was there. Yes,
2: I thought, and I thought it was great because I'm starting to turn on him, turn around on him already, just because like, all right, this guy's a gruff asshole, even, and he plays it safe because like, you know. He, he can see what happens if you're a bit of a maverick, you, you know, turned into a weapon against against the federation. And then, and then that story hit where, oh man, I survive all 359, and you're a piece of shit, Picard. And Picard's like, "Yep, I sure <laughs> am." Even yes, Picard correct. was just like, "You have a good point, man." And
1: uh, what's he gonna say? Yeah. I mean, what you...
2: oh, but it was so powerful. It was amazing. I loved it.
1: I love that, and that character one of the reasons why we like him so much and I think everyone likes him so much is because he he changes so much like he's he's a fucking heel and a half when we first meet him right and then he kind of like becomes like a character heel where you kind of like think he's funny but you know he's a bad guy still and then he completely turns you know he starts to turn face but by the very end his last act is to like you know call seven of nine by her name seven of nine he, ref- he he refuses to call her that throughout the series and at the end he calls her that and gives her the keys of the titan basically and it's like oh man 100 percent baby face turn right at the end like so cool i love I was it. a
2: face <laughs> this whole time baby
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. he's he a secret face so like these are all like side characters too that we're talking about so far and they're kind of they're kind of awesome you know uh how about a side character that everybody doesn't seem to like, and that is um Michelle Hurd plays Rafiella Rafi Musiker, who is the lady that Jamie Coy referred to as that lady that used to be hooked on drugs.
2: Space drugs.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, Those are probably really good. We need to get some space drugs for the next Neverround.
2: Yes, right. Definitely. She was. Uh, she was like. What, 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 the only major holdover character from that show that there's an original yeah. character from it?
1: She was in all three seasons. Um, last season she got with uh seven of nine, sort of, and they spent like half the season like trying to get across a parking lot. Right. Well, I didn't
2: really care about that character in when I watched season one. Uh, by the end of this season, I kind of like her. I'm sorry, they turned wow. me around on her, mate. Maybe it's the writing because she's everyone's getting the rub, finished. man. It's she's she's getting, getting the rub, rub that's right. So... She's getting. She's not only getting the rub, but she's getting the rub from, like, my yeah. favorite next generation, or maybe my favorite Star Trek character ever, which is uh, Mr. Worf. That's right. So uh, we'll get to him. But, yeah, she gets to spend most of the season with Worf, and that's that's definitely a way to – it's like putting Darby Allen with, with, with Sting or something like that, you know. I'm not sure about this other guy. Putting the sting. Oh yeah, all right, cool. So yeah, no, oh, I I liked I liked raffy in this. Uh I didn't I wasn't even confused about uh who she is, what she's doing there, or anything. In fact, uh Jamie Coy was right. You don't have to watch seasons one no. and two. I uh, didn't I didn't even I didn't even watch a recap video just to be caught up. Nothing. I just so jumped in.
1: It's funny too, because like a lot of it like like so the, so a few complaints. This is, this is kind of a little off topic, but it's kind of sort of interesting. Cause like what you're talking about, is you're talking about that, they figured out how to tell these stories and give these characters depth without having to talk about it. They just, there's just a, there's looks between seven of nine and, and her and Rafi, and you get what's going on, whether you've watched That's the show right, or not. And it's like, they let the fucking actors and actresses actually act. To tell the story, which is kind of why it's awesome. So that's right. I looked
2: I, at Charity and I was like, "Oh, I think they're, I think they're doing it." <laughs> and it's like, "Yep, that one look just said everything you needed."
1: Yeah, it's wild. You didn't have to spend two episodes on it where they're just stuck in a parking lot. <laughs> that's real, by the way. So. It sounds like a paved
2: um, paradise.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, it's 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 you know, put up a parking lot. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's a great song, by the way. But, okay, so how about a couple of, like, kind of surprise people? Like, for example, Tim Rush showed up as uh, Fake Tuvok. What you think of Fake Tuvok? Uh,
2: loved Fake Tuvok. And uh, I guess everyone knows that if you're listening to this, by the way, and we're going to talk an hour about Picard, we're going to spoil some shit. So, yes, loved seeing Fake Tuvok, and then I was relieved to see a live Tuvok at the end. Thank you very much. Uh, I know Voyager gets a lot of shit, but I like it. It's maybe not as good as DS9 or uh TNG, but I like it still. It it's got a lot of charm to it and, and all that kind of stuff. And I really liked it Tuvok. So uh yeah, it was good to see
1: him. Well he's best yeah. friends with Seven of Nine on the show, right. right? They they become great friends because they're very similar characters in a lot of ways. And you know, that leads to her Because there is this scene in this fucking show that is just tremendous. And it's basically, it's people sitting in a room looking at each other. And only one's in one room and one's in the other. Tuvok is having this, like, battle of wits with Seven of Nine. And she's trying to figure out if he's really Tuvok or not. And she just outsmarts him. And it's fucking great because, like, at first you think they lull you into this false sense of security. And then she, like, pulls it out at the end. It's like a mini wrestling match right there you know it's so cool and um i don't know i was really happy to see these two get to interact you know um i mean i'm bummed that neelix didn't show up but you know it is what it is so So, yeah like it is a love letter to all
2: of star trek because changelings d space nine and you know voyager you've got you've got two vlog we see the voyager at the space museum and of course seven it's great
1: what'd you think of seven of nine in this show uh, she, showed, she showed up last season like at the beginning of hmm. the second season she shows up and her story is bad, it's real bad
2: well I'm glad I didn't see it then because uh, well, I loved it I, I thought she was fantastic in this as uh, like uh, the number one on the Titan and I thought she was pretty pretty much a badass she's uh, she's smart as, as all hell and just brave, loyal, all this kind of stuff I, yeah, I never would have Imagine seeing her as a Starfleet officer but because of, you know, Voyager and all that. But yeah, I totally see it. It's it's wonderful. And when she gets the keys. Oh, I was just like even before I saw like those final shots of the season, Mr. Guy, as soon as she got the keys on I turned to charity, I was like, I want that now.
1: <laughs> the the new show with Seven of Nine cruising yes. around having space adventures. So yeah, that'd yes, be great. Please. Just, Every once in a while, she she runs into Wharf and Ralphie, you know. Cool.
2: As uh, as Jamie Coy once uh, famously said,
1: give me what I want. <laughs> I'll stay Batista. But, oh, okay. I'm uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought she was great on the show, and, and I just, I don't know, to me, that character is one of the best characters in star trek agreed and like it's great because she starts out really shitty on voyager like real bad and then like her story becomes the focus and it gets really good and voyager is one of those shows that kind of has a really slow start and it takes i mean i know story-wise it goes fast but it really takes a while to get to know those characters and then once you do it's really really good um again no neelix come on man couldn't couldn't hire oh. that guy you know that guy was on that really really bad sci-fi show um hbo tried to do a sci-fi show uh that's like a comedy and it's like hugh Laurie and the dude who played neelix and like the dude one of Decent the dudes Films. from the office yeah and it's woof. it is they did a second season i was like why no one watched the first it's real bad but uh but anyway that's good that really bad stuff but anyway how about luke a new character what about ed spielers as captain picard's son jack crusher
2: all right he's the the actor i was just like this guy rem- reminds me of uh it's like they wanted to cast the guy from uh, the kingsman but he's probably too expensive yeah. so they got this guy instead like he's got that vibe about him <laughs> Uh, I think he's awesome. I think he's, look, I, I'd say his performance is absolutely awesome. You always believe everything he's kind of saying and feeling. But there were points, like, I'd say one of my few niggles about Picard season three, some of them evolve around him because it takes a while for his story to kick in. And that's fine. Um, with how it all pans out, I'm fine with it now in, in hindsight. But also at some point I was just like, being such a dick to your dad yeah but um this kind of but by the end of the season also i'm okay with it because the thing it was all that like that thing with the red door and you know all that all that ball connection and stuff that he had so that kind of played into it and i guess he, even though jack Crusher it was uh, a a younger gent he was already going through his picard movie phase i guess in terms of uh, just how volatile and stuff he was.
1: That's fair. Yeah. You know, he's not one of my favorite characters on the show. No. Um, I tell you when I really liked him. And and this is few far between. There's only a few scenes. And this will help us talk uh, to, about another character. And that is when he was hanging out with Ensign LaForge. So... There's kind of like a will they, won't they love, you know, kind of thing. It's real tiny, but it's definitely a story between Jack Crusher and one of uh, LaForge's daughters, uh, Alondra LaForge. And she's one of the, the, you know, she's like the ensign, the bridge ensign on the Titan. And their chemistry is awesome. Awesome. And it's like, it's so good. There's like scenes where just they're just looking at each other but there's all this stuff going on in Jack's mind and we get to kind of hear her mind because he can read her mind and it's all fucking crazy. And those scenes are great. I, I don't know, man, I really enjoyed their chemistry when they were not together. eh, Their scenes with, with Jack and and where, you know, he's, he's in there with Patrick Stewart. And of course they're just acting circles around everybody else. And it's amazing, you know, and like when we get to hear the story of when, Jack asked the question of Picard, you know, who's your family, you know? And he's like, oh, you know, I don't need a family. I got Starfleet. Meanwhile, the guy asking that question was his ageless, apparently son, you know? And yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: that,
1: that had me very suspicious. Also, I really, and, and I know this is lame and everything, and I get it. In the end, I'm wrong. But, I mean, I was so bummed out when it was the Borg. I was like, Ah! The Borg again? But of course
2: it has to be the Borg. It's funny you say that because I turned to Charity and I was like, "Oh my God, are they going to do the Borg again?" I said exactly the same thing. And but by the end of the season, I was just like, "Man, that was awesome. Of course it had to be the Borg. It all made, all tied in together and made perfect sense." And I was just like, "Wow, these guys really, really, really watched the show and and got it and got how to do something interesting with the Borg and." Because they, they're kind of fucked, and so what do they have to do? Well, one of their things is adapting. So they did, and the way they did it was was great, and it makes sense with the mind reading thing that he has. Because uh, by then, people under twenty five had already been affected by like the, the the transporter stuff that gives them all the
1: right.
2: Borg DNA. Oh, it was
1: it all makes sense? It all really does make sense, you know. Wow. I mean, and and like you said. It, I don't know. It's like the story that's what that's what's so <laughs> crazy about Picard season one. Look, Picard season one and two, they're both stupid. The first one ends with an octopus robot monster trying to reach through the oh. sky and kill reality. Okay? That's what we're dealing okay. with. Okay. But like but like Picard and his robot friends save the day. What? <laughs> yeah, for the robots. <laughs> so fucking dumb and so you know this is what we wanted as uh jamie coy said but i thought that the uh you know that the actress that played uh, laforge's dog daughter, both daughters was pretty cool in fact the other person was um actually um what's his name's daughter It was actually lavar burton's daughter meek <coughs> mika burton was uh ensign alondra laforge so that was really his daughter pretty cool but she was the one who came later So she was the one, I think. Okay, she was the one who came on the ship with him. I think that was his real daughter. I could be wrong. But how cool is that, man?
2: Dude, it's awesome. And I hope if we get that... uh, Oh, oh, excuse me. You're
1: making all kinds of noises. I know. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh,
2: like, uh, LaForge's daughter has to be in that Jerry Ryan Star Trek show, please.
1: Yeah, she would be, you know. I'm sure she's, you know... Not going to cost much, so I
2: think. I really great. wanted that Vulcan lady to be in that show too. Which Vulcan lady? She's bald. Uh, I don't know the actor's name. Oh, she, yeah, I, she gets. Killed, I remember her right. in. She's in Doom Patrol. She's one of the personalities in Crazy Jane's mind, and so uh, I thought she was an awesome Vulcan, and yeah,
0: such she a shocking, amazing Vatic. moment. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Vatik was like, "Fuck you, man!" Because they had built her up to be kind of something. So that's another cool thing the show does. It builds up side characters just to kill oh. characters just to kill them off real quick. You know, and it's like, oh, that's great. You know, like like the best example is Captain Shaw. He's a side character that gets built up, built up, built up just to get killed off in the end. It's great. I love that. That's and another character who gets killed off in hilarious fashion is Elizabeth Dennehy, who plays Admiral Elizabeth Shelby. Fuck you, Shelby. She, gets, she shows up and gets killed immediately by the Borg, and it's awesome.
2: <laughs> That's right. Talk about, like, understanding TNG and and just tying up some loose threads and just making things make sense, uh, bringing back Shelby. Why haven't we done that before? Why? You know, like she was a character we all love to hate because she was going after Riker's spot. It was it was fantastic. I love
1: it. Riker's dick charms didn't work on her either, by the way, which pissed him off. It's like it's like that episode of The Office where Charles starts takes over the office and he doesn't think Jim's j- jokes are funny. And Jim doesn't know what to do. <laughs> it's like.
2: <laughs> yeah, so. It was great to see her. And then, yeah, just get absolutely blasted. Right, in the chest, both barrels. Boom, boom. Holy shit. It also, even though she had a small role and died really quick, I felt like her death kind of, like, up the stakes a bit. Like, here's a character it we did. all know from TNG and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, whoa, which which ties into one of the other kind of, like, surprise uh, loose end tie-ups from uh, TNG that we get. is uh, Ensign Ro Lahren, played by Michelle Forbes.
1: One of my favorite characters from TNC. Oh, that's
2: so great. I was always gutted that uh, part of me is always gutted that uh, Michelle Forbes said no to being in Deep Space Nine because I was like, man, never even in a single episode either. Not even as Laren Laren for like one cameo or something, nothing. So I was always gutted that that never happened. But But she was
1: supposed to to be Kieran Reese. So Kieran yeah. Reese was, so was supposed to be Roe and and, you know, the actress uh, didn't want to do it. we <laughs> were like, I oh, can't, okay.
2: I can't be too bad, though. I like Nana Visitor a lot. So uh, there is that. But, yeah. Instant, have you ever seen – Oh, my God.
1: Have you ever seen the, the season of um, – I think it's maybe Coven, but it's the season of American Horror Story where she shows up as a witch. Michelle Forbes is awesome. Man.
2: I've She's definitely great. seen that.
1: yeah she shows up on um she's like a rival captain sort of of another battle star Battlestar galactica and i'm yeah. pretty sure she showed up in um in the expanse too if i'm if i correct if i'm correct i could be wrong
2: she's There's a, also a in the second of... season of 24.
1: oh yeah hey i'm not gonna hang up on you but i want to because that's jack power does <laughs> <laughs> he Loves hanging up on people it's his favorite thing he has to Damn stare it. off into the distance first. That's, uh, yeah. But yeah, she. so her whole story is great too because she shows up, she acts her fucking pants off, and then she gets killed. And it's like, oh, it's tremendous. Like there's just these great scenes with her and Riker. And like, you know, we do love – I love the joking side of, of uh, Riker, you know, of course. But, but uh, you know, Jonathan Frakes came from – uh soap opera so you know like that's i like to see him do that shit too and he crushed it and they both crushed it their scenes together were great picard obviously has beef with rolarin quite a bit because he stuck his neck out for her and she fucked him and so he's got beef and their scenes are great too i don't know i really liked it
2: i thought it was powerful and that's another thing like rolarin being killed raised the stakes. It was just like, he's a beloved Star Trek character that everyone from all the TNG fans know and love that we never saw or heard from again. And now she's dead. Oh my God. I loved it. Yeah. It was so good to see her again. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like, uh, might've stolen the show for me in some some respects as well. He was great in this season.
1: Well, let's start knocking out some of these big timers, some of the, you know, the main seven cast here. Gates McFadden as Beverly Crusher. What'd you think, Luke?
2: I thought she was amazing. Like, I, she got to act her ass off too, and she got to be she got to be like a, a, a she was a badass mother. So, as uh, Jamie Coy said, I, I really liked like what she's been doing that whole time. It just I don't know. It made 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 sense. Like, especially when like they're having that argument about Picard not knowing his son. And the reasons why and all that you don't always you, you're not sure if you agree with like both people a hundred percent with their cases about you know not knowing your son or keeping them away but you understand why they did it and you kind of they kind of respect that and like that, that relationship there i thought it was yeah Ga- gates was fantastic
1: she gets like an action scene at the beginning when we first like the, i think the season opens with her and, you know, in an action scene. But then my favorite part is when she like, well, there's a couple things. One, her and Picard being confused and conflicted about what to do was fucking great. You know, how far should we go to save our son? That shit was amazing. But also her agency as a character where, for example, she was the one who figured out why Vadic could track them, right? And like, of course, like that's one thing that's funny about this is that Vadik didn't know who she was fucking with. Like in the board, how do they not know by now who they're fucking with? Like these guys, I, I mean, how many times have we seen the TNT cast like fucking spin bullshit into gold and and you know and save the ship? <laughs> you know, a million TNG times. TNG.
2: ain't to no the fuck
1: with. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> so funny when Gase McFadden's like, hold on, all I need is this little like thingy with a little like you know, thing for my right hand that that beeps and stuff. I'll punch a few numbers in this, and then, bam, I figured the whole fucking thing out. And it's like, that's all they need. It's the best. I love that. See, that's a good thing. I
2: feel like every character got some really good, like, character stuff and emotional stuff, but they also got to do something cool as well.
1: At least one thing, if not more than one. I mean, okay, so... I don't know how to talk about this next guy without, like, maybe getting emotional a little bit, because I think... Maybe there's one other guy I think that acts harder, but only one other person acts harder than Brent Spiner, and that's LeVar Burton as Jordy LaForge. He acts his fucking eyes out. It's insane. (laughs) Like, all every one of his scenes, just about, is emotional, extremely emotional but we do get old school Georgie where he's like, Georgie, where he's like, wait a minute. And like walking across and like figuring something out. If we, if that, and then we, you know, like doing some fucking star Trek, Batman logic and figuring the situation out. That was great. But the fact that he got to have the scenes with Brent Spiner that he did, those two did some of the best acting that's ever been in star Trek. (laughs) It's incredible. Incredible.
2: Dude. I was just like, I need, I need to see I need to see Geordie and Data Bean bros again. Please, please. Give me what I want. And I got it. Yeah. It was amazing. You could always see where he was coming from as well. He's cautioned because, like, no, fuck you, Bikar. My daughters are here. Get out of here. I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know? So you could always tell where he's coming from. Plus, he's, like, he's kind of the hero of the series because uh, for the last 30 years on the sly, he's been uh, he's been tinkering and rebuilding and fixing <laughs> the, the most graceful, sleekest, amazing starship in Star Trek Federation, I guess, uh the uh the Enterprise D. Ah uh, I
1: What'd you think of that? Yeah. It's like Luke, the whole series, all right? It's just one thing that was like okay, yeah, I'll just look past this. I really enjoy this is how dark it is. Like the whole show is so fucking dark and it's all dramatic. And even when you got the, you know, the enterprise crew sitting at a table together, it's dark as fuck and they're wearing dark uniforms and shit. And then they finally, in like the second, to last episode or whatever it is, they walk onto the the bridge of the, you know, the the NC-1701D enterprise and it's, light it's lit just like the original tv show everything is perfect down to the detail you know and the jokes were awesome and i just i mean you can't help but you know just well up a little bit and just remember those times sitting two inches from the tv as a kid you know uh trying to figure out what's going to happen next with the card and his buddies i don't know man i i that brought me back i thought it was amazing and i loved that and if that's even <laughs> if the show even if the show would have been shit, if it at least just had earned that, I would have been happy about it, but it earned everything else too, especially that.
2: They didn't rush into anything. Like, I feel like it's a fast paced uh, TV show. It's kind of gotten, it's kind of broken up into mini arcs as well. Like uh, the first couple is Wrath of Khan. And then they kind of, and they put a that should annoy me because by the way, because I hate it into darkness, but uh it didn't. I really, I was really into it, but yeah, they earned that in Enterprise D, and it had to be the Enterprise D. It, like it, it couldn't have been any other ship. That no, no one, no one had fallen in love with the E, really, had they? Not in a way that they had with the D, because we saw them saw that saw that for like seven seasons and then over 150 episodes or something. Yeah,
1: I agree. Yeah. yeah. It was, oh, that was pretty cool, man. I I really enjoyed that. Um, I guess we gotta talk about Worf. Tell me all about Worf, Lou.
2: Oh my God. Yeah, Worf, one of, if not maybe, my favorite Star Trek character. He's he's a badass, and I think he was. I think like my the first time I was like, yeah, I think Worf's my guy. It's like this episode that I'm that I remember from my childhood where they need information from this Romulan dude, and so Picard's just like. All right, the only one who can give him a blood transfusion to save his life is Worf. And he's like, Hey, hey Worf, we need you to do this blood transfusion to get the information And Worf's like, No, fuck that guy. <laughs> and, I and I was like, he stuck to it too. He was like, I don't give a sh- no, I'm not doing it. Not even if you order me and I was like, I think I love this dude. This guy's a badass. He stick you know, and all this kind of stuff. Then you get all these amazing story arcs and TNG. that then he's then he becomes the best character in Deep Space Nine. All right, maybe maybe Quark is the best character, it's, but it is close. I mean, or Garrick. What, or Golden Cut. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> who mourns for more? more? <laughs> and then <clears throat> all right, so I twig very easily and early on that the person is interacting with is War. Oh you
1: did. I didn't know I didn't yeah. figure it out. Just so like I the was, way he's
2: he typed something like i was like that sounds like wolf talk to me like that's how (laughs) wolf would talk and then i was not disappointed when it turned out to be wolf and they're working in starfleet intelligence uh there's wolf and raffi going here and there here, there and everywhere and just the man how he had, how's Michael Dawn move like that? All right, some of it might be a stunt dude in some place, ways. I don't care, but yeah. when you can see his face quite clearly and it's him, how's he still move so kind of like real graceful and badass like that? That's just <laughs> tremendous. Oh my god! And he has some of my favorite lines, like you know, Geordi saying that they couldn't use the Enterprise E, and they all look at Worf, and he's like, "That's not my fault."
1: <laughs> Didn't Elsie
2: like- this line of that.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say when they get on the Enterprise for the first time, he's like, "I like the uh, upgraded console better," like, <laughs> like, and they're all like, "Fuck you!" It's great.
2: And then he's then he's like, uh, over, over the years, I uh, was tempted to send you all the, the heads of the countless enemies I've slaughtered, but then someone told me it would be passive aggressive. <laughs>
1: He's got all the jokes, right? Because he's decided he's a pacifist now. But the first thing we see him do is chop like 50 people in half. So... (laughs) 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 All right. So there's a scene with Worf and Riker. And it's like, you know, it's towards the end of the show. It's one of these high stakes scenes where they're going to die. They're going to die together. They've accepted it. He, You know, uh, Riker's even got to say goodbye to, to Troy, you know, and... It's like you're thinking, this is the end of a show where you know it ain't coming back at all. So you're thinking, these characters are probably going to die here. But they don't, which is fine. I I wasn't mad. I was happy everybody lived. But it's really, it reminded me so much of these two in an episode. I can't remember the name of it. But it's the episode where Worf is just minding his own business in the cargo bay in a fucking, like, ill- you know, some something went wrong with some chemical in some, some inside of some barrel and it falls on him and breaks his back, right? So oh, he's yeah, like he's like, Riker, come to my quarters. Riker shows up, he's like, Sup, bro. Heard you're hurt. He's like, Yeah, you gotta kill me now. He's like, What? He's like, Yeah, I'm not of any use anymore, so help me help me die. <laughs> Riker's like, No, and Riker's track between loyalty to his friend to honor his tradition and do what he asks and his own sensibilities of how that's wrong. <laughs> and it's an amazing episode. He eventually helps Worf, you know, learn to walk again and all this shit. And it's incredible. And that's just what it reminded me of is these two, you know, I just, I feel like there was allusions to that episode a little bit. And maybe it's just something I think of when I think of those two characters having a bond because that, I, I, you know, they have a bond in death. You know, when Worf wanted to die, he wanted a great warrior to kill him, and that was Riker, right? So, <laughs> pretty awesome, man.
2: Dude, this is even some um, really fun interactions between uh, Wolf, uh, Deanna Troy, and, and Riker, and well, I guess we'll get into those as we uh, awkward,
1: talk about those yeah. other characters. Well, let's talk about <laughs> Troy next. What, what he, I, I like, Troy. Troy was a damsel in distress a little bit in the show, but she also had agency and did stuff. And uh, I feel like she was the character of the crew that did the least, though, as far as from the original crew. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think she did, too. But I feel like the way they used her was really well done. Uh, she actually got some cool shit to do, like uh, to find out about this Red Door business. And not only that, she got to save off uh, Riker, Jack, and Picard uh, as the uh, the Borg thing's exploding at the end. That's because. Cool. That the sensors and all that can't do it. And no, well, no, they can't find them. But she's like, I know where they are. I was like, oh, my God. That's really awesome. I love that. <laughs> so, And she did that by piloting the Enterprise D. The last time she, we saw her kind of pilot that ship, she crashed it. <laughs> so she actually got to do a bit of, like, flying and uh, – or, or was it flying or just, like, I guess handling transports and stuff. But she, no, she had to plug the like coordinates that. and stuff in. I think she fired it. So, yeah, it was nice. Okay.
1: I I think think of, when I think of her like in charge, I always think of that disaster episode where the the you know they just go through some spatial anomaly and anomaly and half the ship she like shuts down and just breaks and the, everybody's stuck where they're at. That's when uh, Keiko O'Brien has her kid and fucking Wharf uh, delivers Keiko O'Brien's kid <laughs> and and uh deanna troy's in charge because she's the ranking officer on the bridge and they're like what do you do what do we do and she's like i don't fucking know <laughs> <laughs> and like chief o'brien and some like nameless ensign have to like talk her into how to lead and it, it's it's a great episode but uh, a lot of baby crying though that's like the only thing i can't handle so much baby crying in that episode
2: <laughs> i remember that one too that, that was that was great uh So, yeah, but you actually got to do some, like, you got to see some counselling stuff as well. You got to see her kick a little a little ass here and there. And I I liked her interactions with Riker as well. Like, you really believe that they had this really long relationship in the time between when we last saw them and now. And I thought it was great. Really helps that, like, in real life, they're all good mates, too. So, like, the chemistry they all have with each other is fantastic
1: it's true you can tell they genuinely like each other so when they act it kind of comes through that like hey you know like when he says imzadi and she calls him that they just look at each other and it's like it more feels like a really long friendship than it does a romantic relationship but that's what a long marriage kind of feels like doesn't it so yeah you know I don't know. It's pretty great. So they they were great. So Marina Sirtis was awesome. She's one of the few people I've met from Star Trek as I was like ten years old when I met her, and I was surprised <laughs> she didn't look like Troy. <laughs> kind of put me off. So.
2: <laughs> and uh, the the accent like you you don't expect that at first like her real accent yeah because you yeah yeah
1: it's that weird kind of like like not European but not like australian and not new zealand and not everything like that but it is kind of that it's a weird troy has a weird accent all right so we just talked about troy we got to talk about uh captain Riker. i guess he is captain now because remember there's a there's a scene where somebody goes captain and they both turn around and look at (laughs) that's great so uh captain william Riker, jonathan frakes luke tell me all about it
2: all right so i love that he's the captain of the titan all right, so I know the books aren't always canon, you know, because the TV show is going to do what a TV show does. But in in the books that followed, like the movies and stuff, he actually became the captain of the Titan. So the fact that they've they've done that at least, I thought it was super cool because uh, they've done that from time to time. It was a it was a book that gave Uhura and Sulu their first names. Uh, same with uh, Number One from uh, Strange New Worlds. Uh, their first names all came from from the books. So it was that was a nice little. Little nod there, I, I appreciated that. And I, I thought, I thought Jonathan Frakes was fan freaking tastic. I'm pretty sure he directed a couple of these as well, because uh, he that he's been he's been directing all the he's directed at least like an episode of most of these live action Star Trek shows since he since their return
1: hasn't he? Yeah, so, he directed but, a lot of episodes of the show, and I think he directed a couple of the movies too, if I'm right. He
2: gets to have a lot of great interactions with uh, with Picard as well. Like they, it's pretty much. I know I know Crashes there, but it's pretty much just those two being being adventure bros for like the first few episodes of the show, which is really cool. And then you get to have see him have these really good interactions. Thank you, Charity. With uh, you distracting me. Thank you. Oh, I love you. This is very professional.
1: Hey, Charity, hope you're good.
2: Miss Andy says hi. Hi. Hey. She did make me a coffee though, so uh, I'm not hey, mad course. at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: so I like I like Riker too. I like uh, Tom Riker too, and how like when yes. he, he, he he like you know takes his his uh his fucking sideburns off, and then you know it's him, you're like oh shit, it's
2: crazy, I like but, seeing uh, Tom Riker turn up in uh deep space nine for that one that's what i'm that
1: talking about cool. yeah <laughs> that's yeah great. that's right anyway uh but will Riker, one of the greatest star trek hectors ever characters excuse me i mean once he gets the beard he's the fucking best i like him pre-beard, yes. but yeah. i mean the beard beard rikers were you know that's when we're doing the Riker maneuver that's when he's falling in love with androgynous aliens you know and fucking you know at war asking him to kill him and shit like that <laughs> it's good times i mean I love Riker as a character. He's one of the best characters. And when a TNG episode is a Riker episode, you're in for a good time. Uh, and in Picard season uh, three, aka Star Trek: Next Generation season eight, I thought his character was amazing. Like some of the like the goodbye scene he said with he had with Marina Sirtis, where he's getting ready to die and Worf's there. That was fucking fantastic. Because of course, again, of course, Worf's there. He's tied the wharf in so many ways personally and that's not something you can say for every member of t well actually maybe it is you know because you got okay a lot of the characters are tied to each other personally what am i saying but uh not so much as this this is a you know very personal tie they're eskimo brothers so um you know I don't know. I just thought it was really fitting it was those three kind of there at the end, uh, you know, talking to each other. But I thought it was great and I love Will Riker and he can still fucking kick ass, so
2: Yeah, he can. I also feel like uh he's he's kind of heart of the show in a lot of ways. And he gets to do kind of most of the emotional scenes uh throughout the run, I think. He gets to have these moments of wisdom and all this kind of stuff. Uh yeah, Riker's the best man. Doesn't he like, does he do a riker maneuver in the show though? I don't. Maybe he's too old. enough.
1: Problem. Oh yeah, he might. He might. So well, I mean, he does the riker maneuver because he had back problems. <laughs> 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 all right. So the best actor in the show, we got to talk about him. Brent Spiner as Data slash Lore. Luke, tell me all about it. All right. <clears throat> he comes
2: out. Uh, he comes uh, a little later than now. I might have liked as well because he's one of my favorites. So would have liked to have seen him sooner, but I'm still not mad how they how they did it. I kind of twigged with some of the – as soon as you saw Moriarty, I was like, all right. As soon as I <laughs> twigged that it, it wasn't quite really him. I was like, oh, is data the security system thing? And then it turns out it, it, sense, it was yeah. like, yeah, it made perfect sense because who else could it be? It, made, it just made sense. And just how they uh, – man – he got to act up a storm, especially I like the stuff inside his brain where he's talking with law and just how he outwits law without kind of sacrificing his principles at the same time, which was just a really nice touch. I love how they did that. And just to see him be bros again with uh, Geordie and have one of those one of the best moments of the show where he's just like i've got a gut feeling like it's a, <laughs> a feeling yeah, in my gut
1: trust me i got it trust me. it's awesome he's finally human
2: yep and uh Geordi just looking at him he's like all right he's got this and then they do the death star run and it's amazing <laughs> i know they did the death star run from jedi and i don't care it was fantastic <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: man the enterprise is huge you it's, know it's like That's 50 other- times <laughs> bigger than the millennium falcon as well <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay so luke i had this amazing like whole like theory about the show and they didn't really like play into it too much but just just enough so i could talk about it so i feel like that there's a king lear story with uh data and and it, it plays out in the next generation but it also plays out here and that's like so king lear's the king who's so weak he can't decide which uh you know daughter he wants to give his kingdom to so he gives it to both of them and it's at least a disaster right so he he ends up going insane and like the daughters kill each other or something along those lines um i like the akira kurosawa version called ran tremendous movie anyway so i feel mm. like that like um we got this this uh king lear story where this man It's uh, Dr. Noonien Soon. He's weak. He has a weakness. And the weakness is he's a weak man who can't make that decision either. So this new body that they have there, right, he doesn't decide whether it's going to be lore or it's going to be Data. He lets them fight it out, right? And and he's kind of fucking crazy. And I thought that was going to play into this a little more. But instead, we got this amazing scene where Data acted versus – well, Brent Spiner acted versus Brent Spiner. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> it's like, again, some of the best acting we've ever seen in Star Trek. Period. You know, it, it's not cheesy like something. Well, okay, it is cheesy, but it's 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 that right cheese level. I was gonna say it's not as cheesy as like some of the other great acting we've seen, like William Shatner in the movies. I think William Shatner in the movies, tremendous acting in some of this stuff. And so, like, but we you know it's it's super cheesy right and most of the time oh, yeah. i mean even when you know i i hate the klingons you know i want to, they kill my boy i want to kill them all you know it's ridiculous so um but uh but brent spiner does it in a way where it's it's just i don't know how great is this i don't even care that the is fat now <laughs> they didn't they didn't even try to do anything about that they were like yeah his uniform kind of sticks out he's got a belly it's fine <laughs> Great.
2: I don't care. I mean, I watched all. Of, I've watched and rewatched the original cast movies many times. Scotty's a big dude, and by Star Trek Six, quite a few of them are getting getting there too. <laughs> That's
1: true. That's true.
2: You know. So, and I don't care. No one cares. Uh, so yeah, I don't care about. It. I don't care that data's
1: uh They couldn't have got him like a belly cape paper though. I mean wrestlers wear it. Come on.
2: It could be like the technology that they need for his body has to be like it it has to be it's big, so it has to be stored somewhere, and that's you know, that's what it is.
1: Yeah. It's his brain power.
2: That's right. (laughs) Oh my god. All right, who's next?
1: It's the guy. The show's called Picard. It's about him, Patrick Stewart, Jean Luc Picard, my favorite character in Star Trek ever. I love Picard on TNG. I didn't really get him in the movies. Like, the movies to me were just kind of like, you know, action movies. That's kind of how I saw them. And I didn't really see, like, that that was my, the characters I liked. You know, this was just those actors getting a paycheck. And God bless them. Not mad at them. You know, those movies are movies that I watched. But yeah. It's just one of my, I mean, like I said, it's my favorite character in Star Trek. So the fact that he, find he, you know, yes, he's a robot, but it all made sense why he's a robot now, you know? And the fact that he gets a good ending, he gets to fucking join the poker game again, you know? And, oh and you know, oh, we things. get to have, <laughs> we get to have like kind of like a rehash of that ending, but in a way that makes more sense to really say goodbye to this character for real this time. We'll see, and uh, you know, it it just it felt good, and it felt like a a, a, I just feel like they re whatever you call that they like re rehashed like everything and changed it in a way where it all kind of makes sense now. And now when you go back and watch Nemesis or you know First Contact and stuff, you'll you'll watch it and you'll be into the the Picard character more, and his motivations will mean more like the things that he does will have more more kind of like story behind him now just because of the show so i don't know that's pretty good writing that's pretty good tv show yeah
2: because he developed that syndrome after uh having been turned into a borg anything thing like that. they even thought like i'm pretty sure they even thought to include a, a line of something here and there where seven mentions why it hasn't really happened to her with like that same syndrome or something. I think they even remembered yeah. to explain that too. Like the attention to detail on this show is is fantastic.
1: Oh, it's, it's really good. It's incredible. I mean, JJ Boy talked about the music and yeah. the music's insane. I don't mean to change subject, but man, the music ah. is crazy good. It must have taken so long to put together.
2: It takes from like all kinds of things, like from the movies, from all the various TV shows it's got a little bit of everything, but it gives it its own little spin and flourish too, which is, it's fantastic, yeah. Music was amazing. Might even be something I might uh, listen to on on a walk or something, coming soon, yeah.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And if you watch the show, we don't, we're not detail-oriented people, so, you know, the, like, the amount of details that we're, you know, not talking about, I mean, there's, it's infinite. You can watch the show over and over again, and whether it's the music cues or stuff going on in the background, you know, there's all kinds of like little Easter eggs or whatever you want to call them in there that to find. And you know, every episode ends with amazing piece of music, Star Trek, you know, music like over a console, and the console has all kinds of Easter eggs in it, you know, like and and it's like there'll be like a panning shot going over a console, and it's a different console. And, like, what's going on on the consoles is, like, fucking just magic and fun for any Star Trek The Next Generation fans. So just stuff like that. I mean, it's, I don't know. It was great. And now, yes.
2: There's even a line where they mention going to Rigel 7. That's the cage planet. So there's a, like, what? Oh, uh, hey, hey, some Star Trek nerd, write that book. <laughs> I think I might read that one. TNG Cage sequel. Yeah, I'd read that. Do do that. Someone's doing it as we speak, I bet. Or it's already out.
1: I mean, it's probably out there already. You know, maybe my relative who is it. I, I have I told this story on the podcast that I have a relative that wrote um Star Trek, The Next Generation novels. And um, you know, I don't want to tell you who he is because it's you know, it's weird. But anyway, when I was a kid, he wrote these novels and I got into Star Trek The Next Generation. And one day I'm at the bookstore. I see my last name, which is a very unique last name. There's not very many of us. And, and it says, you know, so and John so and so. And he wrote this this book that has Q in it. And I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? <laughs> so we so we bought them all. You know, we bought all the books by this guy. And I read them all. They're really good. And he uh, and so one time me and my family, when we first got email, we saw, oh, there's an email address for him back here. So I emailed him this like fucking marked out email like, oh, man, I'm such a fucking mark for fucking Star Trek Next Generation. I love it. I can't believe we have the same last name. I just want to thank you for all the entertainment, blah, 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 something like that. And he wrote back, I don't have any money for you, kid. Don't ever contact me again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow.
2: Well, you have told me that story. I don't know if you've told it on the show or not, but you have at least told that to me. Man, that's both an amazing story and heartbreaking at the
1: same time. Fuck that guy. Holy shit. Like, wow, we have the same last thing. Apparently, in Minnesota, there's a bunch of us. So I just didn't know that at the time. All he could have said is, hey, there's a bunch of us in Minnesota. You're in Ohio. We didn't know. We don't care.
2: Yeah.
1: Anyway. So what do you think of Patrick Stewart's acting in this? You saw some of season one, right? So yeah, what do you think versus season one?
2: Dude, I, I, just because I've seen it doesn't mean, like, I have any recollection of anything. It's kind of like a, a memory yeah. of repressed. No. But I felt like I – thought, I thought he was great in this. Like, he got to shine quite a bit. He got to not just, you know – say wonderful things he got to actually act when people were just had a legit gripe with him and just just went off at him like that scene with uh, Gates McFadden or when Shaw was going on about uh, Wolf 359 just his reactions were incredible looks kind of older and wiser I liked it I thought he was great I don't remember anything being great about season one that's probably why I didn't finish it and uh, I didn't finish it usually if we don't watch a show for a while Charity will bring it up and being like, hey, we never finished this. Should we finish it? She never mentioned Picard ever again.
1: <laughs> why would she? You know? It's like I like his performance and his story. It's got hope, but it's also got that, like, that human condition thing where it's like no matter how old you are or how awesome you are, you still don't know why we're here. You still don't really know. You're still just kind of, like, doing it day by day. and And that's kind of how Picard is here. He figures some things out. But he's still learning at 100 fucking years old and being a robot. So, you know, that's like, that's good, but it's also terrifying. So, um, you know, (laughs) because like, Jesus Christ, you never do figure it out, do you? So uh, anyway, that's kind of cool. But I thought that was pretty neat. Very human performance. And uh, I thought the show overall was really great. And I kind of want to watch it again. But, man, I need some time. You know, I need some time on that show.
2: Yeah, I agree. Maybe if they do a little... Uh, maybe they should put this on Blu-ray. No, it's Star Trek. It's it itself. Might have to pick that up. I'd like to... I'd like to see, like... I, I kind of want to see more about how the sausage was made on this. Like, it's it's just fascinating. It's, even just from a writer's perspective. It's like how they... Man, how they just pulled this off. This felt like... Like, it, like TNG from start to finish i loved it yeah it felt this. like
1: a modern version of the next generation you know because it was definitely different but yeah i mean the actors actually felt like the characters and i don't really think that's the case maybe other than Worf in the regular in the like movies you know Riker feels like Riker, and you know but i mean like they just don't i don't know they just don't i don't know there's like a scene where like they're on a boat on the holodeck on like a real boat and like somebody gets thrown off the boat, but like Marina Sirtis is wearing like the Napoleon, like, like captain's hat. And it's like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Are we back? in? I like season one, no one else does, but I mean, are we back in season one? Like that's the goofiest shit that would happen there, you know? So, all right. Well, before we wrap the uh, Picard talk up, we have to talk about the post credit scene where Jack, is visited by Q. What did you think of that, Luke?
2: I loved it. Uh, It took me by surprise. I know he was in season two, but I have, I don't know, I didn't watch it, and you told me not to watch it, and you told me to watch this. So if you were right about Picard season three being awesome, and you were, we've pretty much got the same Star Trek sensibility, so I'm just (laughs) going to be like, I'm not going to watch that. Uh, So I loved seeing Q. Uh, it was, it was great. So now, now he's going to put uh, Jack Crusher on trial and, and all that kind of stuff. Yes, please. I do also like uh, <clears throat> if we're talking about like that ending. They rename the Titan. By the way, Shelby gets uh, killed on the bridge of the Enterprise F. And the Enterprise F, I doesn't, I don't think it got destroyed. So in the Starfleet right now, there's the Enterprise F and the rechristened Titan, the NCC one seven oh one G is the Titan? I thought that was awesome. So you could retroact, Riker could retroactively like say, you know, I was the captain of the uh, of the Enterprise G. Ah, right. Yeah,
1: uh, that's right. And and you know, Worf could take over, crash it, and then we get on the
2: <laughs> Worf's not allowed on the ship. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, yeah, cool. but, so uh, that that reveals great, and uh, the Q thing was, was was awesome. But but you don't do that. If you don't plan on doing a show right why would you do that why would you put seven Rafi and crusher on the ship on the bridge with uh laforge you know, daughter laforge and then bring q up right at the end and then not follow that up and anyway i would be so disappointed if that doesn't happen that's license Man. to print money right there i, I think
1: true. print subscriptions to paramount plus um yeah I, I have a John Delancey story. That's just, I've had to have told this on the podcast before, but it bears repeating. It's pretty good. So one time, me uh, we have the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, and then we have the Cincinnati Pops. And Cincinnati mm-hmm. Pops will play like popular music typically, right? So they will, you know, they'll do like a Christmas special or something. But they they had this special during the summer. It was fucking like 100 degrees that day, by the way, 100 uh, Fahrenheit which is like two Celsius or something, but uh, that many. And, uh-huh. you know, it was a it was like Cincinnati Pops plays the music of Star Trek. It was outdoors. And I'm like, oh, man, let's go to that. So me, my sister and my mom went to it. Right. I was probably I think I was too young to drive when I went to this. Maybe maybe not that old, but around that time. So we go and <laughs> there are people dressed up like fucking Klingons everywhere. Right and they are sweating their balls off and i'm just like respect and they're all like fat guys and i'm like man double respect but anyway the two special guests were robert picardo who is of course the doctor from voyager and then um you know we had to (laughs) john delancey who plays q and basically they just appeared on stage and like read descriptions and like you know like just kind of like things like oh this is from the part where the Enterprise was doing this, that, or the other thing, and and you know Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, and then they played a song from that, and it was that kind of thing. But you, like Robert Picardo seemed to be having fun, like some some of the uh, so, <laughs> some of the like um. Klingon people, these were real serious Klingon people that belong to a group where they know that they like studied the Klingon language. I mean, this is they, you know,
2: this they is, do Klingon this. Uh, they they created Klingon uh Dua Lipa.
1: Yes. Oh, it's it's yes, they certainly have that. It requires a knife, by the way. But um anyway, <laughs> so they they definitely know the language and stuff. And so they come up on stage and they do the national anthem, the American national anthem in Klingon. <laughs> And John DeLancey's standing up there with him and he's looking a at bunch him of like nits. Fuck you <laughs> <laughs> and, and Robert Picardo was super cool. He seemed like he was cool. He just did his thing, but man, John DeLancey could not sell it. He was just like well, he was selling. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he's like Fuck you. This is the dumbest thing ever. What am I doing here? And you can hear it in his voice <laughs> when, when he did the like voiceover stuff. It's like he's like, this fucking sucks. And so uh, it was really fun. <laughs> I, hope got, I hope he got paid in advance. Oh, you know, oh he, my did. God. You I, know I, he did. You know he did. So. No. <laughs> that's right. That's why he had to stay. <laughs> there was no... is no 37
2: degrees Celsius, which is yeah. fucking hot.
1: Yeah, it was crazy hot. That, it was like in July or something. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. They did the the American National Anthem, or like the Pledge of Allegiance or something like that, and Klingon. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's the uh, dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> I love Star Trek, man. It, it uh, brings out the best and worst in all of us. <laughs> so...
2: I like being nerd, but if I ever feel like I'm too much of a nerd, I'm always reminded just uh, just how easy, just how uh, low on the nerdy scale I, I really am compared to a.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You walk through the Star Trek convention, you know, which I don't even know if they have those anymore, but if they have them, mm-hmm. go to one and you'll be like, oh man, that little comic book collection that I have it ain't so bad, you know, because man. There's some people out there that spend every dime they make on stuff like that. And I get it, man. I do too. I love lots of fandoms and stuff, but man, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be dressing up like Kenta and going to a show like that one guy. <laughs> just saying. No. So... no. I'm going to no, wear a tracksuit instead. <laughs>
2: I think I'm just going to be comfortable, thank you, because I have to yeah. s- sit around for like three to four hours and I just want to be nice and cozy rather than uh, wear a costume and just be like, man, this was good in theory, but bloody hot in this. No, no thanks. Just sit there for the whole show in a bushy mask. I'm like, okay, fair enough.
1: <laughs> well, Luke, we have one more thing to get to, and it might be the best yeah, we thing do. ever on the show. Oh my God. We got a mystery email from Listener Jay, who somehow combined it with a mystery email from Listener Ian. I don't know how. We got a mystery email from both of them. It's really weird.
2: Nice. All right. So uh, maybe we should find out what that is, Mr. Guy. What what do you you reckon?
1: Well, it's titled Wrestler Diary (laughs) Yoshihashi. So (laughs) I think we know what it is, but it's mysterious nonetheless. Here is the next entry in our series of Wrestler Diaries.
0: The Secret Diary of Yoshihashi, age 13 and 3 quarters. Episode 168. If only I could be in two places at once. April 26, 2023. The Wrestling Dontaku Tour has started. This year we're kicking off in Nara, travelling all the way to Kagoshima and end in Hakata. It's a long tour, with a lot of distance to cover. It's also special to me since it will be Hiroki Goto's 20th anniversary in the ring. When it comes to these long tours, sleep is very important. I always ask for non-smoking rooms at the hotels, since I can't stand the scent of cigarettes when I'm trying to sleep. However, recently, I entered a hotel room, and as soon as I walked in, I was hit by the stench of stale cigarette smoke, even though this was supposed to be a non-smoking room. I thought it might have just been me, so I opened the door to the room to compare with the air in the hallway. Yes, someone's definitely been smoking in here. I called reception. I would like to change to a non-smoking room, please. You're already in a non-smoking room, sir, the clerk replied. Well, this room smells like cigarettes. Well, this floor usually permits smoking, but we've ventilated your room, so we've classified it as non-smoking. Now, hold on just a second. You can't remove the smell of cigarettes just by opening a window. Have you smelled my room? I asked. Yes, it smells perfectly normal. I asked the staff if he was a smoker himself, and surprise, surprise, he was. Then, how can you tell whether something smells of cigarettes or not? Eventually, I gave up and went to sleep. It's not that I have anything against smoking, but... If you ask for a non-smoking room, then you shouldn't have to put up with the smell of cigarettes, especially if you're sensitive to the smell like I am. The next day, I asked ishi san another person who has a sensitive nose, and he had a similar problem with his room. When I told him about the conversation I had yesterday, he couldn't believe his ears. ishi san carries incense with him whenever he travels, and burns it when the smell in his room is not good. It must have been hell for Yushi-san last night. Next time, I will have to check more thoroughly about the room at the front desk. Lastly, the other day was Hiroki Goto's 20th anniversary. When we arrived in the venue in Tsu City, Miei Prefecture, Goto-san was already glad-handing. The venue itself was far from the train station, so it was a bit inconvenient to get to for fans, but many people came regardless. I asked Goto-san, was going to be some sort of special ceremony, but he said that he hadn't heard anything from the organizers. Really? Goto-san won his match with a shoten, which was a sight for sore eyes. Katsuyori Shibata came to present him with some flowers afterwards, and Goto-san was so surprised that his eyes were as wide as saucers. Goto-san's children also came to the ring and presented him with gifts. Oleg, who was seconding ringside, was welling up with tears, and I saw Oscar pat him on the back to comfort him. It was such a nice and sweet atmosphere, and I was very happy to have participated in the match. It was a wonderful show. Congratulations, Gochan, on your 20th anniversary. Now, on with the tour.
2: So first like that that music went perfect it it, it was amazing that's like a, 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 a chef's kiss uh, just to, just like to Kevin Kelly yeah. but let me let me get this straight Mr Guy Yoshi Hashi complains about his room smelling like stale cigarettes but then rather than get the issue resolved he takes it like a bitch then goes to bed then the next day complains to ishii about the same thing because he knows ishii also hates it and then says he knows that ishii generally has incense for when this happens so why are you complaining yushihashi the solution is staring you in the face literally as you typed that sentence staring him in the nose incense dude it's not expensive in Australia. I don't know if it is in Japan. Probably not.
0: No, so get some... it's,
2: like, it's the cheapest it's like way the to cheapest smell, thing but... ever. Yeah.
1: I what? don't know, man. I'm just saying, like, why, you know, if I was a wrestler, I'd 100% have like a travel Febreze with me at all times. Because I feel like you can't always wash your gear at every stop. Maybe you can when you got young boys, but I wouldn't have that. So I'd be spraying that shit down with Febreze every once in a while, you know, just saying. Might be a good idea to have that Yoshihashi. Know, you bust that thing out of your bag, you spray it all over, and then you won't be killed like Laura Palmer.
2: He bitches more about his room than he celebrates Goto's 30th anniversary. I bet. Like I, this I was a major touched- inconvenience for him. It wasn't no, It was such an inconvenience <laughs> that it overrode his interest in writing about Goto's 20th and whatever anniversary. This was more it's important fun. to talk about.
1: I think he's probably the one that put the fish in Pete's percolator. You know, I mean, we never did find out who did that. You know, did he kill Josie? Did he make her into a doorknob? We don't know. You know, so I don't know. know. Yoshihashi might have something to do with all this. I don't know if he likes cherry pie either. But you can tell if someone's evil in Twin Peaks is if they don't like coffee or cherry pie. If they don't accept the holy sacrament of cherry pie and coffee, they don't. They're no good. <laughs> <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> like, like, there are not very many hard and fast rules in the show Twin Peaks. Like, there's barely any. That's one of them. So. <laughs> Is that real? Yeah, yeah
2: that's cool. Right. Yeah, if a I character ever refuses so.
1: coffee or, you know, they're or a piece of shit, pie, they're a piece of fucking shit. <laughs> and watch out. Because they're probably possessed by a demon or trying to get you possessed by a demon. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, oh man, that that
2: that that's our third Yoshihashi diary. Yeah, I think that's like, the dude, they're somehow both boring as hell, but amazing as hell as well. It's like, how does he do that? It's, it's just so like
1: funny. Okay, but Luke, here's the way to look at this. Not only is Yoshihashi appeared three times, but he has yet to surpass Koto, even on this. <laughs> goto is like no i will take this this title here which is the best of all of the wrestling yeah. diaries but that one was pretty good so.
2: so let's let's name hiroki goto the never open podcast diary champion because so far nothing has topped no i will do this
1: wow we i mean i wish money was free i'd totally get a belt made you know and send it to- said <laughs> You're the you're the we can have a fantasy dream book champion too. If it's just be like a wrestler it doesn't exist though. So I don't know. Or just Jay White has it perpetually. It's just it's the Jay White like uh you know fucking fantasy dream book title. Oh man. That's it. We when when I used to do the Road Home from Wrestling, we talked about making a title, but instead we didn't spend $500, and we just said, oh, it would be ownership of the podcast that's up for grabs. And uh, I made up a, like, you know, fucking certificate and all this shit. Don't <laughs> as say that, much, man. As I, much as I was willing to spend. <laughs> don't,
2: dude, don't say that because, A, you don't want Hiroki Goto owning his podcast. No. That would be, like, no. your nightmare. And, B, ah, I'm pretty sure Hanari would kick her asses if, uh, yeah. if we didn't give him a crack at uh, owning the podcast first, so. Yeah, you know, he's already mad at, he's mad at us again. twice. <laughs> he's,
1: I think he's mad at us again. I don't know. I don't oh talk about God. that off mic, but I think he's mad at us again. So. Oh.
2: Well, that's that's okay. We 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 still like you, Hanai. That's
1: fine. I wish that I wonder what he thinks about Star Trek Picard season three. You know, he, he was like, he's probably going to be like, motherfuckers. I was just watching that. Like, because that's what he did. So when we talked, we, we were talking about what he thought about, um about the Mandalorian. And he messaged us. and was like, hey, I'm watching that. What the fuck?
2: That's right. We made an offhand joke about it on the show. And he was like, motherfucker, I'm watching that right now. And I was like, wait. And listened to the show at least once i was like I oh, oh yay that's that's Maybe. pretty nice that's We're nice too it's really since we've talked about a little little shit about him but i don't know he's a good sport he's a great dude i
1: like Kanari.
2: yeah i do yeah, i do too all right man man look i i could even just go on with this star trek thing because like we didn't even mention walter kanig's little cameo there's so many easter eggs oh. like but that would take hours upon hours, I mean, and we'd still miss them all. We'd still miss some. It's Like, we'd mention some, and then someone listening would be like, they meant, they didn't they didn't mention my favorite because there's just too no, many.
1: No one is going to think that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's thinking that. No, this is uh, a New Japan podcast. We're talking about Star Trek. Oh, so yeah. there's a little right. bit of crossover, but maybe not so much that we think. But here we are. But these, these episodes yeah. are not for that. They're for fun.
2: That's, That's what right. I want. We had all of the fun. And uh, unless Mr. Andy has anything that he would like to add, I would say, uh, yeah, I want to see what this guy can do next for Star Trek. In, uh, in Terry Matala, we trust.